This is CliffCentral.com. Choice. Sometimes you. Good morning. Thank you so much uh, to Gareth and the gang for joining. Uh, geez, let's just start that all again, eh? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Thank you so much to Gareth and the gang. They'll be back again tomorrow uh, from 6 until 9. Hey, my name's Andrew, and we've got Rory Sang Shavalala. Dumelang, Rory. Dumelang, Dumelang. Yes, where, where are you right uh, now? I'm just, I'm just making sure our guests are settled in. Uh, you know? Are you settling in? Yeah, well, look, you know, somebody's got to do the hard work here. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, I, no, I won't going. take it there, but hey. You, you know. know, it's funny because uh, Ben Karpinski said to us this morning, what racist issue are you doing now? And is it Heineken Mayer and rugby, you know? Yeah, is this is this a racist show? But we, we don't roll like that, right? We, 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 we touch on things that, we touch on a broad swath of things, you know? Like, like for example, today we're talking about women and what rights do we have? As two males to have this conversation about women. Well, what are we talking about? Well, are women their own worst enemies? Yo. Yo. No, 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 no. Why are you bringing me into this? Hey. I'm feeling uncomfortable in this seat already because of you. Hey, man, you know, and we got some we got some flack already on Twitter and stuff, you know, like, what right? What right? And then, of course, there was Gareth as well. He was like, you guys, what right? On my, st- on my station, you dare to come and attack the enemy, as you put it. Attack. The enemy. But he's a misogynist. Uh, so we, we're okay with that. Yeah, today. but we're going to get clumped into the same, the uh. same boat as him. Right? So, <laughs> so, All yeah. right. This is how we start. So we're, we're, we're talking about women. Uh, of course, it was Women's Day on Monday. Uh, on Sunday or Monday? We had the holiday on Monday. You, you see on how Monday. bad it is. You see how bad it is. You don't even know if it was on Sunday. Uh, it was on Sunday. It was on Sunday. No, but come on, um, come on, Andrew. Come on. The 9th of August, I know, Woman March, 1956. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, so we're talking about are women their own worst enemies? We want to hear your thoughts as well. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Rory Shabalala. And that's a T before the S. And uh, at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. They're all asking where the hell does the T come in from? But anyways, um, or you can uh, give us a shout, 0861-555-189. Are women their own worst enemies? Have you had an experience as a woman uh, where another woman has brought you down? Uh, can you explain it? Have you had that feeling? Um, we saw that whole debacle with big pins. Mm. I threw away all my big pens straight after that. Jeez, aren't you an activist? I well am. done. <laughs> Pat on the back for you throwing away your thank big you, pens. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, but I mean, let's let's just uh, say a very big uh, golf to big pens because Jeez. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, that like, makes men look bad as well, to be honest. No, but who, it, could it have been a woman? Who wrote that article? Who wrote that video? I mean, that uh, that ad. Who came up with that ad? Could it have been a woman? You know, and 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 that is why it's such a great thing that we're going to be speaking to Aspasia uh, from Marie Claire to say, you know, look, you, you you as a woman, editor of Marie Claire, um, you know, what have you, how did you come up with that campaign? You know, uh, and and where was this? Where what were you thinking? What was the blind spot, and so on? So. It's possible that that was a woman who came up with it. Let's just start from the beginning on this topic because we're all over the place at the moment and I want to get us to the central focus. Are women their own worst enemies? Rory, you brought this to the table. How did you get there? Well, like I was speaking to, I was speaking to, to, to another vibrant woman uh, who, who had uh, indicated that she'd written the strong article about surrogate men, as she had put it. And... Um, and uh, 
that article had been rejected, um, you know, by whoever whoever she was submitting it to. And in this whole discussion that we were having, she was speaking about how women are, you know what, I'm probably not going to carry it uh, best. So <laughs> how about we get her uh, into the discussion to explain exactly what she meant when she said surrogate men in politics. Morning, morning, guys. Uh, I think it's going to be an awesome conversation. I have so many things that I want to hit you with right now, mm. uh, being these men taking on this uh, rather sensitive topic. <laughs> but nonetheless, here we are. So the storyline is, I write this article, it's um, for a woman's uh, magazine and uh, it is surrogate men in politics. And for me, what's actually like irked me at this moment is I'm watching the fracas in parliament. I'm watching uh, the women in red uh, being manhandled and also handled by other women. I'm following the social media conversation afterwards. I'm seeing other women not in red in, 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 in other political regalia. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> uh, they're out there, um, you know, Swearing at each other, swearing at other women, making these threats. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe let's take a couple of steps back. Um, wasn't there like an agenda for women to have a bigger representation in what's supposed to be like the biggest platform or the most relevant platform from a political point of view in South Africa? Not only just to um, fight with each other against partisan lines, but to actually push a female agenda. So what's actually happening now? How do we then uh, say that we are pushing any agenda when we get there and we just become surrogate men? Um, and I followed the conversations on social media and I think it got worse. I think the fist fighting in parliament was nothing like what was happening on social media where women really began to tear into each other and throw threats at each other. And um, for me, it just raised a couple of issues that I wanted to put uh, down on paper and really begin to say, well, you know, when women are given the, the, the platform for, of influence and the platform of power, irrespective of the platform, but using this one as a case study, do we become men or do we stick to this, um, agenda, uh, that we have of opening up the door for other women and pushing women's issues? And I'm not sure that we do that. No, Zippo, you, you speak about surrogate men. Can you just, uh, just unpack that for us? What does that mean? Big words, two guys. Two brain cells, <laughs> two brain between, cells the two between, between the two of you. Yes, I get that. Yeah, so, so just explain <laughs> what, what, what is a surrogate man? So let's go back to the basis of the word surrogacy, right? And, uh, we go back to this idea of, uh, caring, uh, for someone else, uh, instead of yourself. And that's if we go into this basic pregnancy language, right? And for me, it's, it's, that word was very, very pertinent because it's almost like, we we come into this environment and instead of birthing new ideas and birthing new uh, leadership direction and new ways of thinking, we continue just to spew out the old. We continue to endorse traditional models and dominant models of thinking and the way things have, are done in approaches. And that's really what I mean by surrogate men. So we become carriers, for lack of a better word, of patriarchy. Um, and, you know, it's it's very important to unpack and get into its simplest form. Uh, so I appreciate that, Rory. And, and, and that's exactly what it is. And I'm, I'm, as a, as a woman getting upset because I think this is not the only place where it's happening. Oftentimes women get even into the boardroom 
And this is where we're supposed to say this is where the fight is even harder. When a woman is there, she's supposed to open the door for other women. This is where we're supposed to see more women coming in. And it doesn't happen that way. In fact, there's a study that PwC did last year. And the study says women um, are less likely to advance in the corporate space in women-led companies. Wow. But hold on a second. You know, like, uh, I love this rhetoric, but can I be, play da- devil's advocate yeah. for a second? Devil's advocate. Jeez, my wording today. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, why should women promote women? I mean, uh, like, shouldn't you promote the best person there? You know, like, isn't that patronizing enough to say, we as women should stand up for other women? If the other woman is useless, it's like saying, we as white men must stand up for white wrong men. Color, wrong color. Wrong <laughs> It'll so, never happen. So, and it shouldn't happen, right? So let me jump in because I think there's relevance in the question, but let me put it this way. It's not about promoting other women. It's about going in and creating an, an equal fighting chance. It's about going in and reviewing whether it's systems and processes where if a woman did want to go for the head honcho at the uh, job in, in the company, they have a fighting chance to do it. So when I, I personally, and I don't know if I can speak, you know, for all women, but for me, I'm about create an equal playing field. Give me a fighting chance and I will fight for it. And if I lose, Fair enough. The guy was a better candidate. Uh, I, I can deal with that. But let's not pretend as if the playing field is equal mm. because it's not. So in a world where the dominant archetype of leadership is male, you know, what would women leadership look like? So you're saying that women go in there and they become these surrogate men. What does it look like to be a woman leader, it, not in the mold of the male leadership archetype? So, Rory, you know, I uh, I moderate a lot of conferences and debates, and it's that's one of the threads that irritates me to kingdom coming back. And I'll tell you why. I'm irritating you. <laughs> on, on our show? On our show, <laughs> to kingdom I'm irritating coming you. Back. <laughs> um, because what, what generally happens is that people will start talking about women leadership is about consultation. It's about empathy. It's values-driven. BS, right? Mm. I, I don't subscribe to that. Um, you can't put all women in one category and say all women are empathetic. I, for one, hand in the air, I'm not empathetic, right? <laughs> I'm not that person. Mm. I'm assertive, maybe even a little bit aggressive at times. Fair enough. And, and so I want to actually just do away with that, um, that classification that there's a certain type of woman leadership. They are leaders. And they are just leaders, mm. right? And so we need to stop thinking that if it's, if it's, uh, that men can't, for example, be consultative in their approach. We need to stop thinking that men can't put values first in the way that they engage with other people within teams. It's possible across the board. And so I just, I really, really think we need, we need to stop this narrative and kill it immediately that, um, when, when women come into the boardroom, suddenly we're all going to start off with singing Kumbaya. We don't work like that. How would we change the dynamics in business? And I mean, I know you're just one person uh, with one opinion, but how would we change the, the dynamics in business? Because obviously women have this added pressure if they want to have a family. They have to be the bearers of children, right? We can't change that. Men cannot change that Unfortunately. fact. Unfortunately. Um, which basically means they've got nine months of hell 
you know, where this thing is growing inside of you. And then when this thing is born and it's into a child status. Can we, can okay. we pause for a moment? Uh, and, uh, just easy, 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 uh, easy, No, no, no. Easy, this yeah. reference to thing. Now, now I'm feeling relax, like. Uh, relax. I'm pro-abortion. I'm pro-abortion. So when it does actually come, come to life and is a child, a beautiful child, it needs to be cared for. And so time needs to be taken off. So from a career perspective, from a business perspective, Woman has that added pressure. How could we change things so as to compensate, so as to take cognizance mm. of this time off without, you know, um, distract or being destructive in terms of their ladder and their growth? Mm. So I think it's a corporate ladder. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's a couple of things, uh, Andrew, and I think it's encouraging that there are men who are beginning to think about those things. So from a practical level, you can even change the work environment, right? So there are very progressive companies who've gone as far as making sure there's daycare centers that are part of the corporate offering. There are nannies, uh, that are part of the corporate offering. All of those things are part of it. There are companies that have said, you know, we understand that women who have families, um, uh, especially young families, it's not fair to start meetings at seven o'clock because we are these go-getters in the morning and our, our, our weekly meeting starts at seven. We're not going to do that. We know that she needs, we can work around that particular mm. time. Does the meeting still happen? Absolutely. Does it happen at seven? No, the ha- meeting happens at 10. We give them more flexibility in terms of mobility around the workplace. So do you work from home? Fair enough. Um, more often than you would, would your other counterpart. But that being said, it's not enough of this is being done. Not enough of this out of the box innovative thinking is being done. Again, another study that I picked up, I think it was, uh, towards the end of last year. And this, this study was trying to capture. The converse, the kind of conversations that chief executives of listed companies in South Africa have when they think about hiring a female executive, mm. right? And right at the top of that, the, the most prevalent thematic area that kept on coming up is that has she had children or not? Mm. Because if she hasn't had children, then we need to be with her on this ride while she goes and you know, is in her pregnancy phase and then she's going into this maternity phase. And how does that now impact on her contribution and hence the bottom line of her portfolio? Which means that uh, we're still not getting it right because if you had those support structures in place, um, you wouldn't have to be th- having that kind of conversation. And I really appreciated that report because for me, conversation is perhaps the strongest way of actually reflecting how we still think about things. Mm. So I think, you know, there, there's not enough case studies and sharing about companies that are really, really, you know, breaking barriers in terms of, of how women um, uh, can be supported in the childbearing uh, process if that's what they choose to do. So you've said a mouthful and, and I, I, want, I, I just want to make sure I understand. So you speak about surrogate men and you speak about what needs to change in the corporate environment and so on to accommodate women. Um, what so coming back to the show topic, which mm. is you know are women their own worst enemies? Uh, you have you have given examples, particularly in the political sphere, mm. uh, where women you know seem to undermine the very things that that are campaigned so so vigorously for. What would you have women do? What what is the alternative uh, to to what's currently happening? And uh, in which ways would you like to see that uh, being done by not just the women in parliament, but you know mm. the, the average you know you mm. and me on the on the street? Um, you know how how do we how do we make sure that we stop being our own worst enemies? I'm putting myself in <laughs> empathy. 
Empathy. Yes. All right. So let me go back to a conversation I was, re- I was actually like uh, snooping in on on Facebook uh, yesterday. Um, and I'm sure this is probably going to make the Sunday papers because the, the lady who posted this uh, post is, um, uh, she was, uh, sh- she's on the ANC list. She's, she's part of the NEC and uh, she's mm. part of the Women's League. And she puts in, uh, and I know her personally, so she puts, she writes on her Facebook wall, she says, you know what, I'm horrified. Uh, the spokesperson of one of the unions, which I will not name, uh, this lady who's posted this is actually his wife. The lady who's posted says, he hit me again. And the only difference this time is that he hit me in front of my daughter. Now I can't hide. I don't have a voice because I know of his power and the influence that he has. I'm actually now just letting everybody know this is what's been happening in my life. And yes, this is the guy that you guys all love. And uh, he's your leader. He's uh, very, very popular. But it's 2 a.m. My daughter's in tow and we're headed back to my grand, to my mother's, which is the daughter's grandmother. And so this lady then, you know, posts this thing and she says, you know, um, as a woman who's in the women's league, I am appalled. This is bad. I know that I'm not the law, but we just need to, we need to confront this. This guy needs to be hauled before the ANC structures and the union that he represents. Um, and we need to just really make sure that this other, the woman is okay. And then I read the comments from other women. Who are like, yeah, but are you sure that he really did it? Why did she stay? Why didn't she go before? Did she post pictures of the bruises? How do we know that her daughter actually really, really, really saw this? And so for me, um, that was a reflection again of the a woman is most vulnerable in the physical space against a man. All other platforms, I think we might, we actually have a fighting chance if the scales are balanced. But physically, in terms of brawn, you don't really stand a chance, um, unless you're Leila Ali or whatever against the man. And this in our weakest, most vulnerable position, other women were putting up all sorts of counter arguments as to maybe, if, what if she could be wrong. And all of them were questioning and poking holes into her story. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should just um, support uh, every cry from a woman because it could be crying wolf, right? But the mere fact that somebody has, has put that out there, as a woman, you have a responsibility not to just to f- like that post, but to do something about it. So the woman who had actually posted it said, it's, I'm making it my, res- my responsibility. I'm going to file this within the organizational structures of the ANC. I want this to come to light. I'm approaching the union. I'm writing a letter. And they tagged this gentleman in this whole conversation. And he had nothing to say. Mm. In the out. So my lesson from that to get to your answer, Rory, is that for once in our lives as women, can we not be the ones who are perpetrating or endorsing potential abuse against other women? If a woman cries and says, I am in trouble, as a woman, I think you have a responsibility to at least make an attempt to verify, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Right? As against saying, are you sure that it's him? Because all we're doing is that we're creating that doubt and that that's the doubt that continues to, um, to, to, to make sure that it's difficult for women to speak out in the future. So that's the, that, I mean, that little scenario I'm hoping can really give light to other ways that we can support women. It's, we just, we need to be there for each other because that's all we have.
All right, so I mean, this is this is all gripping. Um, let's 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 uh, bring in a different view here, a view of a man, a man who has challenged me a lot on on gender, um, just around our legitimacy, you know, as as men to mm. to have this conversation. Because I'd like you to also weigh in on this, um, Komoto. Rory, how are you, sir? Not too bad, and greetings to the team too. Yes, uh, greetings to the whole team. Hello, hello, hello. Komotso, hey. you are a gender activist, and and I'll be honest, you know, the very first time that I, I met you and you said you declared yourself as, as, as being along those lines, I, I laughed. Uh, you know, how can a guy <laughs> be a gender activist and so on? But ever since then, you've, you've taught me quite a few things. Uh, what's our role in a discussion like this? Should we, not, should we be even having a conversation like this? Um, I think it's, it's a, I, 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 li- I like the question when I saw it posted on Facebook um, the other day and I was just asking myself um, whether we are justified as you are. And I think on a yes or no basis, we are probably not. Um, and as a man, I, I, I don't actually think that I am as well-placed to be um, critiquing the whole question of whether um, women are their own worst enemies. Um, I think women need the space, or rather should have the space, uh, to engage um, on, on issues as they affect them. Um, I like very much what um, Nozipo is, is bringing up um, with regards to the whole um, surrogacy thing. But I think for, for the first question, um, not really. Uh, we can comment um, when we're given the space to, but we're not necessarily entitled because in part we are responsible for some of the things that we're seeing. Nozipo wants to cut in here. She's rearing to go. Nozipo, just keep it short, girl. Damn, come on. <laughs> no, I, uh, Komoto, thank you so much for your comments. Uh, and uh, here's my short response to that. Um, Men are just as responsible as women for trying to, for creating an equal fighting chance. Um, and so men like, uh, Komoto and others that are involved in, uh, who are involved in gender empowerment, Rory smiles or not, is, 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 is just as important. The one thing that I'm, I'm very clear about is that women are never going to win this battle alone. We can't create an equal playing field alone. If we want, if we want a fighting chance, men need to be willing to sacrifice some power. And some hegemony over that power so that we can claim that power and have an equal fighting chance. Doing it alone is never going to work. Komodzo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how do you, how do you go about uh, doing it? And how do you, how can you urge men, uh, like myself and Andrew to, to, to play a more meaningful part in making sure that we remove these obstacles, uh, that, that we're speaking about? Yeah. Um, I think, actually, before I answer that, Rory, maybe if I can just weigh in on what um, Nozipo is saying. When I say that um, we should comment, um, it's, a, it's a relatively symbolic statement. Um, this does not mean that um, we shouldn't actively engage. Um, but the, I think those are, are two very um, different issues. So uh, you, there's a case. So if I, as a man, say that, Women are their own worst enemies. And when a woman says that, these are two fundamentally different things. Because as a man, you are a beneficiary on, um, this, of, 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 of this system. But let me just go back to the question you were asking. So you guys had an interesting um, discussion around um, the race debate. 
And part of the reason why I got actively kind of involved in the whole uh, gender debate is there's very little that's different between um, the debate and the um, gender debate. Give you a, a, a simple example. If you had a white man uh, being interviewed on your show around whether people are their own worst enemies, you can imagine what kind of um, engagement you are going to, to have around uh, that, that, that discussion and how your, your, the objectivity of the discussion will be um, viewed. So I think for me, uh, what has really, really happened was if we are saying that gender and race are both notions that are premised on a flawed view of who is inherently um, um, inferior. And this, you have institutions that have spent a lot of time enforcing that view. Um, I mean, Nozipo speaks about the whole issue of, of surrogacy. And I'll just say that it, it, it's very easy to, to be a surrogate man, as, as, as she puts it, because the whole institutional culture um, perpetuates uh, masculine manhood. You know, um, it doesn't give as much space for you to be um, as you, 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 you have been brought up as or an alternative view of what womanhood can be. So if you look at your typical office right now, um, I've asked this question a number of times that um, you, you have, so at, at times women will have, at some point a woman will have a child. Do we feel that it's too much to ask for um, places that take care of children um, to be not too far from where they work? And we can take this further to say that should officers um, make a place somewhere around the two um, for women to, be, to comfortably take care of their children when they do not have someone to take care of them at, at, at home. Um, okay, I think I am going on for a while, but there's just a number of things that one can mention around this. Right. Um, I think just as a start, that would get you somewhere. You know what I'm thinking at the moment, um, Nozi, and specifically to you, but to Rory as well, because I know how you are as a traditional man. Uh, come, no, <laughs> come on, why are you putting me in, in a box? We have to bring this in here. And Khamoto, maybe you can <laughs> weigh in as well. Um, I, I want to understand in terms of black women and the some of the challenges that they face being a businesswoman mm. in a, you know, at the moment, I suppose, a Western space, mm. um, you know, and then going home to a traditional... And I don't know if this is you, but a lot of women will face this where they have to go back into traditional customs where they then have to serve the man. And how do you bring those two worlds together? So I think that's a, a an interesting question. Um, so the first thing is that those worlds are not necessarily mutually exclusive. There's nothing stopping a woman from uh, being... Uh, you know, uh, uh, the head honcho at, at, at work and really, you know, being in a Western space and, and doing well in that Western space and dominating that Western space and being able to also understand that culturally she might be, uh, subservient for less, l- lack of a better word to her husband, uh, and that the husband is the head of the household and that she is in a supporting role in that environment. I think the mistake that we, we, we often make, especially when you talk about women empowerment and women make this mistake as well is that, uh, we assume that we want to be at the steering wheel in all facets of our life. Even uh, women that are leaders in the corporate space actually might take comfort in actually having somebody else take the reins in another environment. And so we 
as a woman personally, I have multiple roles that I have to play. I could be potentially uh, both a business leader, but also a wife and a sister and uh, and uh, and and um, all sorts of other roles. And in that role, I might at, at times have to take a leadership role and times have to take a, a, a follower role. And I do not think that the roles of those roles are mutually exclusive. But just to maybe make a final comment before I go. Um, for me, the big takeaway from this conversation is that women do not have a bro code, right? Mm. If you think about guys and their bro code, a guy will protect another guy <laughs> and, you know, you will call and he will say, no, he's right here. He's sleeping next to me. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, the woman's watching her husband driving or her boyfriend driving. So you know that the bro code is there. <laughs> here's uh, my call, right? Here, so here's my here. call to women. Can we please... Have a girl code where we, where we protect each other, where we stand up for each other, where we give each other a fighting chance. Cause the bro code doesn't only exist when it comes to dating circles and that kind of thing. It, it, its tentacles are so deep that it begins to shape even corporate cultures. It enhances and endorses, uh, the way power structures work in, in, in corporate social circles and all of that. I'm the first member of the girl code. If you want to join me, please do because I am. I am done with this bro code. I want my own thing now. Nazipa Mbanjwa, CNBC correspondent. Thank you very much for joining us. Aspasia Karis, I want to bring you in here. Uh, You're the editor of Marie Claire. Hello, good morning to you. (laughs) How are you? What do you think about uh, the the equivalent of a bro code slash woman code? I think I think it's an excellent idea. Um, I'm joining her girl code. What is she calling it? Yeah, well, we still haven't got a name what are you here. Calling it we need we need to get a name here. Nozzy's Nozzy's just uh, popped out of studio. Oh. Um, but uh, just want to understand from you, and I think this is a this is a really important thing, Aspasia. I mean, you've taken a bit of flack in the last uh, couple of weeks around the, the Marie Claire um, woman campaign. Oh, not as much as the. The dentist. Okay? <laughs> she killed that line. Or Bic, eh? Or Bic now. Bic, Bic have joined. Or Bic, for B- Bic example. Come on to the media Bic. Yeah. They had a lot of trouble. Now, <laughs> Bic's in serious trouble. But I mean, let, let's just talk quickly about women's magazines. You know, of course, we're speaking about um, whether women are their own worst enemy. Do you feel like women's magazines are very guilty of perpetuating a certain type of stereotype of the successful woman? Um, this beautiful girl who, who looks like she just got out of bed and looks like a <laughs> runaway model and also then is the CEO of some amazing business and does, and has kids and has a great gym workout and is running the Comrades Marathon. I'm not speaking about you, of course, Aspasia, but I mean, generally, <laughs> like, it, does this, uh, and you leave you ever the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. But do, do you think that these, these magazines perpetuate that cycle in any way? These magazines? No, I think that obviously there is a, a level where magazines, our business is to create, you know, this like sort of dream world where you, um, you know, fashion spreads are about that. They're about fantasy. They're about um, delight, but uh, and and you know, magic, um, which is why you want to linger in the magazine and you know, enjoy it and escape. Um, but it also needs to be your friend, and I think that's why when people say to me, "Oh, print is dead," print is not dead because people really there's something completely intimate and delightful, and I think that's why. It was interesting for me to see the reaction to say, 
when we do something wrong or when people feel that like, well, it's wrong. This was bad and we felt betrayed by our magazine because I think people expect it to be their friend and have that kind of like sort of warm, intimate relationship with it. And as such, I mean, especially Marie Claire, our entire job is to really highlight often like real women's issues with real women. I mean, we run some very hard-hitting stories, uh, some very interesting stories. I mean, it was just, I think that's why I was like slightly worried about the way you phrase the question, are women our own worst enemies? No, I think there's so many things in society that are troubling for women. And it's our job as a magazine to look at those and to also start giving some solutions. I mean, for example, yesterday I got a press release. I don't know if you've seen this. Actually, it wasn't a press release. It was on the site called The Conversation, where there's 17 women in South Africa earn 15 to 17% less than men. Now, that is not women being our own worst enemy. Mm. That is something completely fundamentally problematic in society that is making that happen. Aspasia. In the workplace, goddammit. <laughs> Aspasia, I'd like to bring in another, another guest here, uh, Koliswas Tolle, who is a, yes. a filmmaker and, you know, I saw her speaking somewhere and I was just blown away. Uh, Koliswa, good morning. Hi, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine. Um, Koliswa, uh, Aspasia says, uh, you know, she's, this, this question is problematic. Are women their own worst enemies? Um, because they are just other, they're, they're, they're much bigger issues that we should be looking at, perhaps. Uh, what's your, what's your sense on that? Women are not their own biggest enemies. Um, we should actually look at patriarchy. We should look at two things. Systematic capitalism and actually, which has racism and patriarchy embedded in it, and patriarchy is there because it is there to put women in their place. And this is something that has been going on for centuries. So <laughs> how do we tackle this century-plus old problem? That, for me, is, is the major thing of actually understanding how the system is designed to put women in their place. And how, how is it designed, Koli? So let's, let's get your thoughts on that. I mean, uh, Rory and I are, you know, we, we understand that we are not women. So we're very much in the position of asking the questions rather than taking a position here. How are, how, how is it, how are women placed in this patriarchal society? First and foremost, if you look at the pervading system globally, it is, uh, if you look at a capitalist system, you've got the white male at the top, you've got the white woman, you've got the black male, and you've got the black woman at the bottom, and I'm just really being generic, because of course there are other races. And that plays out in terms of that packing order, that establishment, who has control of wealth, who has control of, um, you know, in terms of work, in terms of legislation. I mean, women only got their vote. In 19-something, and that was in Australia. I'm not sure, you know, I think 1917 or something like that. That was in Australia. You know what was interesting for me was that women were only allowed to run a marathon because you were talking about women running the comrades. Women were only allowed to run the marathon at the Olympic Games in 1984. Is that not a shocking thing? 
No, it is shocking. And people <laughs> think that because now we are in the 21st century, we've got a handful of women who seem to have made it, so we should be okay in it. If you look at statistics of uh, the percentages of women vis-a-vis women population, whether it is in government, whether it is in businesses, or in any sphere, women are lagging behind. And we need to understand that patriarchy is there to promote, you know what I mean, to promote men. And there is always this sense that actually men are doing us a favor when we say that actually we want 50-50% representation in all walks of life. So, you know, and men are not doing us a favor, actually. That is how it should be. In fact, women constitute more than 50% of the world population. So we should actually be holding... Uh, <laughs> we should be holding six that are actually even more than 50%. Uh, ladies, uh, Aspasia and Koliswa, uh, you speak about the issue being patriarchy, and I get it. Is patriarchy always dressed up as a man, or can, can women be the, the carriers of this, this parasite called patriarchy? I do well, believe that... Okay, I'll let me. you answer. Sorry. Let's find you. Go ahead. Go, No, I just, I feel that, um, you know, of course women are the carriers of patriarchy. I mean, I think there's, there's been a, an, an interesting debate whether, for example, prostitution should be legalized and Amnesty International came out and said, yes, because, you know, women have the right to, and, and now I'm just going into a very specific example. Women have the right to do what they like with their body. Which is like such a contentious issue because, in fact, prostitution is one of the biggest areas of slavery, like sort of sexual slavery, mm. slavery essentially in the world. And so it's, it's, it's these crazy insidious ways that we as women also, you get co-opted into the situation. That's, that's the, the truth of the matter. I think it, that you also have what is called patriarchy in address. If we look at certain women who have made it to the top, okay, certain, not all women, some of them have colluded with patriarchy. Be- that, and that is what we call patriarchy in address. Because at the end of the day, you cannot have a situation whereby as a black woman, especially in this country, and we look at our history, we look at the millions of black women who are constantly being abused, you, you, can, you only have to look at the issue of abuse because it actually yeah. is so insidious. If you look at the misogyny around how women are treated, all of that has to do with men thinking that they actually have autonomy over women's bodies, over women's minds, and over women's lives. So you cannot have a situation where women who have made it to the top and when you want to start addressing these issues, they don't want to address these issues because there is a certain muteness around them not wanting to come out strong in terms of the issues that are affecting our society. And this notion of you can be anything you want to be is a very, very bourgeois notion. Yes, I buy into that. But guess what? I am privileged. I am educated. I am good at what I do, but for me to have gotten to where I am, I have to acknowledge the fact that I am standing on the shoulders of certain people who made it possible for me to be here. And I have to acknowledge that there are millions of women who cannot access, for instance, um, 
uh, you know, take money for, 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 for their children. When there is a divorce, they talk about how it's so difficult. They don't even have budget to go to the courts to get maintenance. So there are so many issues that poor women are grappling with. And yes, I do believe that there, is, there are women who collude with patriarchy when mm. they get to the top. And that's a problem. It was a problem when Angie Moteka said that South Africa was not ready to have a female president. Mm. You look at all these presidents that we've had. Who trained them? They just happened <laughs> to just have gumption. And they were appointed. <laughs> and they were presidents. <laughs> I thought that was a very strange about turn, I have to say, from the fancy women's league. From the head of the ANC women's league at the time, yeah. Yeah, but can I just... We should have on the streets. Interject and say that definitely there's, there's also just a question of poverty, as you were saying, which affects women almost much worse than men in the sense that, for example, girls and working women... Um, I mean, I wrote my editorial about the period, the big P word, and I oh my god, interesting oh. response about it because you know, firstly, apart from the fact that, like, you know, it got banned on Instagram, you couldn't show, mm, God forbid, you should show blood on Instagram, and it caused a huge riot. But what was really interesting was um, I got a phone call from somebody who did all her research on the periods. And she said that the vast majority of poor women, poor girls, can't go to school because in the week that they have their period, because they don't have enough money to to access um, pads. pads. And I yeah. mean, this is like, you know, access some kind of, um, or working women, working women, poor working women in mines, in fields, uh, in farms. And I thought this is, this is the way that like we have no idea. So there's a class thing as well that comes into this gender thing. So it's one, you know, women can get, can almost get away from it and become Angela Merkel if you live in a society where you have <laughs> some kind of access. You know what I'm saying? Is she colluding with the patriarchy? I don't know, but she certainly I think one of the most powerful people in the world today. Absolutely. But if you're a poor woman, then you're, you're, uh, I think the, the actual problems that you face are so huge and insurmountable that it's a miracle that anyone breaks out of that cycle. Guys, I want to be honest with both of you. I, I feel like I'm very, um, open-minded when it comes to race, when it comes to gender rights and equality. I find myself in a very interesting space when I think about, you know, you're speaking about Instagram, uh, Aspasia. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, the, the free the nipple campaign that it's, it, it started a little while ago. And I'd be interested to hear of your course. thoughts as to whether that was actually helping or hindering the process. Because when I saw free the nipple, I thought, very cool. You know, women are owning their body, which is rad. But then I was like, but is that going to really change anything? Because young men and old men and white men and black men are going to look at these pictures of Miley Cyrus and just be like, wow, how hot is she? Hey, wow. I'm so glad that she's now like shown us, you know, naked photos of herself, basically. And does that not negate the point? And I've had many uh, interesting conversations about this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, maybe, Aspasia, we can start with you and then, Colisa, we can get on to you. Well, I think, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that there's a lot of, like, sort of 
activism that goes on online, so-called activism, and a lot of outrage that we've seen now with Beck and Cecil the Lion, which never really looks at the real issues and how you're going to actually transform society. But free the nipple per se, yeah, I'm sure there were lots of men that were getting off on this idea. But at the <laughs> same time, it was it was creating – and it, it, it creates – Dialogue, and I think that's very important mm. um, for me. You know, there was also free the armpit hair. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> that came subsequently. <laughs> well, that's an interesting <laughs> one. I mean, I mean, cause yeah. And then, I mean, why why should women have to be hairless? So they've all grown their armpit hairs and dyed them pink. So, <laughs> yes, I mean, to some, it's it may seem quite frivolous and silly, and a lot of. Um, Sort of, and there's there's obviously a lot of people speaking to themselves in a vacuum, which I find what happens with, like, say, this big thing or Cecil. But what it does do is it creates a conversation, mm. which um, in and of itself maybe wouldn't have happened before. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Especially as a successful leader. And you happen to be a woman. Um, but I as a, know about that. <laughs> no, I think, I think we can, we can definitely put you on the map there. As a successful leader, you, you, you're the editor of a very, very hardcore magazine. Um, you've done so well in your, in your life. And I really, I, I admire you. I've had a, a long-standing relationship with you, um, work-wise. Do you find it that, that your business style, is different to other leaders who might be of a different gender. Do you find that women expect you to be different when dealing with uh, with, with business issues? Uh, more understanding in some way, or or is it you know? Am I just making stuff up here? No, I think that there's there's a lot of research now that's been done that says that argues that sort of basically you don't want to be. And sorry for being crude here. But a big swinging dick in the business environment, <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of very strong research that has come out that says uh, being assertive is not the same as being sort of um, an asshole at work, and uh, and that 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 kind of behavior is actually not conducive to producing. So if there is such a thing as like a more you know, female-oriented management style, then apparently it's better for businesses. <laughs> so I found that quite interesting. I thought that kind of research is useful and interesting. But having said that, there's a lot of research that also shows, I mean, the Harvard Business School, I always find this fascinating because you talk about all women their own worst enemies. But the Harvard Business School had a real problem a few years, three years ago, well, I mean, they had an ongoing problem, but about three years ago, they decided to start tackling it because women and men would enter the business school at the same rate with the same, um, uh, you know, qualifications and what have you, which is a very tricky place to get into in the first place. So they had to be high achievers to get there. But once they got there, the women were not performing as well as the men. They weren't on the dean's list. They were, they were, they were a whole lot of, and, and the dean was trying to understand what was going on. And a lot of it had to do with the culture of the Harvard Business School, which was a big swinging dick culture. So women didn't feel comfortable to speak up in class in large proportion of the way you get judged 
at the Harvard Business School is actually speaking up, asserting your opinion. And so here is an example where the playing field was even, but the culture was a problem. And so they've, they've done a lot of very interesting things to change that culture, which was a patriarchal culture. And it was, you know, I mean, people were rating their fellow students on whether they'd like to shag them or not. And the fellow students wow. knew that. Wow. <laughs> and so that stuff completely, it has, it has an impact. So to say that women are creating that is false. It's a false, you know. Uh, it's a straw man, this question is what I'm telling you. I feel you. like uh, you're angry at us, eh, Aspasia? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm not angry. I'm just interested. I mean, I just think it's it's an interesting question, and I think it's the easiest ways to say, you know, women are our own worst enemies. But here is an example where clearly, you know, they weren't. But by doing certain things, which to their credit, the Harvard Business School has done, for example, they've created like sort of um, a whole lot of research around assertiveness. And, you know, all you have to do apparently is stand in a sort of winning position about five minutes before going into, uh, you know, and a winning as in like with your arms open as if you've just won a race. And it completely changes your brain chemistry. So they've done that kind of research to try and sort of understand how to, and weirdly it changes your brain chemistry and probably releases some testosterone uh, <laughs> into your body system. Uh, uh, space, yeah. so, let's, let's, and then you become more assertive. It's very interesting. Especially, uh, let's get, let's get Koliso back in here. Um, yes. just, just because I want, I want to understand you, you speak about, um, you know, the, the structure and the culture. Uh, of patriarchy that, that exists in society. Uh, what does it mean, uh, to, to carry, uh, let's say femininity into the workplace and into society without undermining it? What, what would the alternative look like for, for women? My dear, there is nothing like alternatives. There is no reason why we should make you feel, men feel comfortable about themselves. I think that <laughs> it's about richness and diversity. It is about accepting different people for who they are and what they bring to the table. I, as a filmmaker, when I started in this country, I was a receptionist. People would walk in. They wouldn't acknowledge me. I was the only black person in that company. And I remember saying to myself that I am going to get to where I want to get, even if that space is not there for me. So even if I have to... <laughs> Go doof doof and create that space. Mm. Today, I have two bastards, a Peabody, and many other great awards. Mm. So basically, and I've never had to apologize, whether it is about me making noise, screaming and screeching. I love someone like Alice Walker. She talks about how, you know, Alice Walker, Toni Morrison, and, and those authors, and Zora Neale Hurston, they always talk about how they praise maybe the woman who dances the most, the woman who speaks loudest, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm. Basically, what they are trying to say is that at the end of the day, women just have to claim that space. I do not need to behave in a way that is palatable to the male species. I am going to behave the way that I want to behave because we need to create diversity. There are women who are fabulous, feminine, maybe in terms of maybe being quieter, and they are great leaders. Then there are women like Vandana Shiva, who's one of, you know what I mean, 
You take someone like Yasmin Suka, who's one of my favorite women in this country. She is quiet, unassuming, but absolutely brilliant. She's the head of the Human Rights Foundation. Then you get a woman like um, Vandana Shiva, who is doing all this amazing work in India. She will make noise, she will bang on doors, until whatever it is that she believes in gets done. Women need to get out of the notion of wanting acceptance from men because men want to define us. No, she's nice, but she's too loud. No, mm. she's nice, but she must behave like a lady. Bugger that. Mm. Do what <laughs> you have to do as a woman. Get to where you want to get. You know, it's not about disrespect. It is just about defining who you are. And those doors open. Work hard, have integrity, and do it in the suit in which you feel most comfortable. Wow. Uh, I buy into that. Yeah. Espacia, some last thoughts from you. If men don't like you, if men don't like you, and if you can't get a boyfriend, <laughs> then bugger them. guys don't like women like that, guess what, you guys? You're not good enough for me. <laughs> yes. The uh, right one will come along. Yo. The one that's prepared to even walk behind me sometimes. Yes. The one who's prepared to just sit in the corner and marvel. In my brilliance and my noise and my loudness and my chaos now and again, that's the one. Hey. <laughs> that is power. That is power. <laughs> oh. I'm very so, last thought last thoughts from you regarding this. Um you know, are there are there situations where women do do go against other women and you know, what would you say to that uh, as a last thought? When women do what so I can I can't hear that. Sorry, Tolisa, I was saying, you know, are there are there any situations where you do believe women are their own worst enemies? And if so, what are your last thoughts regarding that? Maybe Aspasia... Well, let, let's start with Aspasia and then, Tolisa, let's get you involved as well uh, as a last thought, if that's okay. You know what, my brother? I, you know, when, when women maybe are not happy when another beautiful woman enters the room, because I know for a fact that... I enter the room, I'm absolutely gorgeous. And, but we are all gorgeous. There's enough room for all of us. There are women who can't deal with that. I think that we should have more compassion for them. Because as women, we're coming from wounded spaces. They are coming from complexities. We are trying to rise up. Some are stronger, some are stronger. You know what I'm trying to say? And it's really about us having the compassion to lift each other up. It's okay, my sister. Yes, maybe you might be jealous of so-and-so. Let me understand your pain. Because guess what? There is enough space for all of us. We are phenomenal, all of us, in our own individual ways. So I don't bother myself when some of these, you know, whether they are feeling insecure, I'm not going to shine my light under the table to make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> so I'm going to have to stop you there. I'm going to have to stop you there. Uh, we're running out of time. But uh, thank you. I, I love those words. Aspasia, your last thoughts very quickly. I think those were very powerful words. I can't, uh, I can't do better. But I do have to say that compassion is a very important thing. I think it's, it's very important to remember that for a very long time, that is the only way women were judged. It was, as you were saying, Kalisa, that's like, it was if you were beautiful, you had some way of getting forward in life. And um, some access to, to, you know, wealth, power patrimony, whatever the case may be. And now, fortunately, we live in a time where we don't have to rely on things only, and we can rely on our 
innate genius. <laughs> so I think I think it's it's we live in in really great times. That's not for women. That's not to say that everything has uh, is equal. And there are constant examples where we need to fight. Um, not least, like I was saying, the fact that for the same job, women are being paid consistently 15% less in this very country. And I just think that is a very good thing to fight. Aspasia so Karras. fight each other. Let's fight what, that sort of terrible stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're, you're, a, you're a busy leader. Uh, thank you so much. And we really appreciate your time. And uh, if you missed any of this, www.cliffcentral.com. You can also follow these amazing ladies on Twitter. There's Koliso uh, Sitole. She's at Koliso7. Uh, Aspasia Karras. That's A-S-P-A-S-I-A. K-A-R-R-A-S. She is the editor of uh, Marie Claire as well. She has a show here on Cliff Central. And uh, the real Nozzy, uh, that's uh, Nozipo Mbanjwa. You can catch her on Twitter as well. Rory, quickly, 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 quickly. Your thoughts, quickly. Let's get out of here. Uh, the women who need to come in here, and I don't want to take their shine. I think the women have said enough. I have learned, and let's go out there and change the world. <laughs> I'll see you again next week. Ciao, ciao, everybody. This is cliffcentral.com.